Thank you, Dad. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to everybody. Good to see you guys. And I won't won't uh, waste your time, hopefully, tonight. If you have your Bibles, I would like to read something. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. And I um, have a few other scriptures tonight, but I want to I start with this one. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our weapon, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge. All disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I want to talk to you tonight, and I felt it for a couple of weeks um, when I, when uh, Dad asked me to speak on this. I felt it for the last couple of weeks to talk to you guys tonight from the subject of secrets about strongholds. Secrets about <clears throat> strongholds. The enemy um, builds strongholds in our lives through breaches in our life from something that's happened in our past. When I say breaches, I mean an opening. Everybody in that room, if you've lived very long at all, goes through something traumatic, something sad, something in your life that you've been through. And from that point forward, the enemy uses that breach as the channel to get to you. In other words, it's not the same situation that happens over and over. It's the, it's the doorway. If something happened in your life that created a, maybe uh, an anxiety reaction, and a reaction of fear, a reaction of anger, a reaction of pain, that becomes the channel in which the enemy uses that breach, that opening. And whether you realize it or not, he uses that channel throughout your life to cause maybe anxiety or anger or pain. It's not the same anxiety. It's not the same situation, but it's the same breach. Now, I want to talk to you about what strongholds are and where they are and then how to deal with them. First of all, in our Bible right here, the word stronghold is castle or fortress. And so the Bible says that we are to pull down these castles or these fortresses that the enemy is building. Now, now that we know what they are, let's explain where they are. The next verse describes where they are in the imaginations and in thoughts. So I want to talk to you about this tonight. It seems like the enemy would rather defeat you inside than defeat you publicly. He would rather defeat you in your mind than defeat you in front of everybody else. And the reason is you might be winning publicly, but if you're losing secretly, you're on your way to hell, and that's all he cares about. That's all he cares about, and so he'd rather defeat you secretly than defeat you publicly. You could be losing publicly and look like a failure to everyone, like you've got no gifting and like you're doing nothing for God, but if you're winning the battle secretly and you're living pure and you're living holy, you're winning the battle, and the enemy knows that. And so they would rather develop this stronghold inside of you and inside of me than outside. So what I'm saying is when the enemy starts working on you or on me, 
the enemy starts building its kingdom or its castle around our mind and destroying us from within. The first thing Paul said is he uses imaginations. You are to pull down strongholds, but you are to cast down imaginations. There's a difference. If you have to pull something down, it signifies that it's above you. If you have to cast something down, it signifies that it's in your hand, that you have the power to throw it. So a stronghold requires effort to bring down. It's something, it's not one thought, it's several thoughts, but an imagination, which in the Greek is a computation or a reckoning or a judgment, or an assumption, these things you can cast down. Paul said you need to cast down some things that you normally just automatically get a judgmental spirit about, a judgmental attitude. Some things are just derived in your imagination, visual images that come to you, and all of a sudden you have a a judgment about something. That's an imagination. He said you have to cast that down and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Now, I want to talk to you about this. This is awesome. Um, The Lord showed me this. When a thought first comes to you, if you do not, now we know that some the brain has 10 quadrillion functions every second. So we understand that some functions of thoughts come from you. You have the Holy Ghost. So some thoughts are from the Lord. He lives inside of you. Some thoughts are just about life. You're going to eat a banana or an apple. That's probably not the Lord or the devil. It's probably just your brain thinking. But some thoughts come to you that are not of you. Some thoughts come that are not from the Lord. They're from the enemy. And what we have to do is understand if the thought is not from me, but tries to get in me, I need to resist the thought and rebuke the thought. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God resist the devil and he will flee from you. Or that word flee is to seek flight, to seek a safe place by flight. He wants to fly away when you resist him. Now, so what I'm saying is when a thought first comes, that's not of God and it rages at you, whether it's anger or fear or lust or whatever, when that thought comes to you, if you resist it, if you rebuke it, you do not let it live inside of you. But if you do not resist it and you do not rebuke it, you you might not act upon it, but the thought gains access to you and begins to live in you. And that thought now becomes what Paul calls a high thing, which means something that is elevated. In other words, the thought came to you as a whisper, but because it was not resisted or because you did not say in Jesus name, I rebuke this. It now is like a barnacle on a ship. It attaches itself to the vessel and now develops. And the longer you think about it, the longer I dwell upon it, the higher it raises in our spirit until it becomes a high thing. It's a thought that's beginning to work on the castle that hell's building a around your mind. That's what thoughts do. That's what the devil does. And sometimes we silently drift into deep thought and the whole time we're letting things into our spirit that we should be resisting vocally. 
it might sound crazy to be driving down the road and open your mouth in front of your family and say, I rebuke that thought of anger. But I would rather rebuke it vocally than let it begin to develop into a high thing in me because eventually it will release itself inside of me. So if a thought is not resisted, the thought is released to live inside of your spirit. And you may not do anything about the thought, but if you keep dwelling on it and you keep bringing other thoughts in that are connected to it, now you've got something being built on the inside of you that you're not building and God's not building, but hell's building a palace around your brain because they want to control your actions and control your mind, control your eyes, control your mouth, control your ears. So they build this palace around your thoughts. Wow. Hmm. Mm. A panic attack is simply a thought that became a high thing. And an anger outburst is a thought that became a high thing. Someone that begins to vocalize their bitterness and their offense is simply someone living in what was once a thought that now has become a high thing. The Bible says a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. His con- Their contentions are like the bars of a castle. In other words, it's easier to win Palmer than one person with a, with a spirit of offense because they're thoughts are developing into the bars of a prison or the bars of a castle. That's why you cannot let yourself get offended at preaching from pastor when it comes across the pulpit, because when you start to get offended, you begin to build time and you say, that's not allowed in and that's not allowed in. And you begin to be the judge with your imagination of what preaching you will allow to get to your spirit, because you are now in control of what you think is allowed to happen. The truth is hell is building a castle in your spirit and working on what's allowed in and what's not allowed in. Hmm. Hmm. The Bible says after you are to, um, to these high things that they, they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. So what they do is they come in as a whisper, but their ultimate mission or as a, their ultimate purpose, brother Plale, is if they want to go against the, the counsel that God has given you, the knowledge that God has about you, these the mission of these thoughts is to undo or to come against that knowledge of God. Whatever God thinks about you or God thinks about your family or your church or your whatever, your, your position, those thoughts go against the knowledge of God. So it's just like when Satan talked to Eve and said, hath God said, those the words of Satan were simply meant to undo the words of God. And that's what happens during the week. If you don't show up to church Wednesday night and you skip, you only show up once every couple of weeks, thoughts come to undo what God has said on Sunday morning to you. All right. And they come to, and the Bible says we are to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, uh, in the Greek, what this means is to lead away captive or to arrest it. And so, what this is saying is you have the power when thoughts come to you to arrest them. It's almost like God wants us tonight to set up a checkpoint at the front of our mind. And when thoughts start to come to us, we have the power to say you are not allowed in 
or, or we have the power to say you can come in, but it's like a checkpoint that you, you can lean a thought away captive. You have the power to arrest the intruding, trespassing words of hell that want to come into your spirit, whether they're words of anger or division or jealousy or insecurity or fear. These words that want to come live inside of you, you have the authority through the Holy Ghost to lead those thoughts away captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. I'm going to make that thought submit to what I know. I'm No, I will not get mad at my pastor. I will not get offended at my brother. I will not let this thought live about my spouse because when those thoughts come in, mm, when they begin to get strong in your spirit, then all of a sudden they take over. And that's what's so dangerous about unforgiveness. That's what's so dangerous about unforgiveness because unforgiveness keeps you from heaven. And it's almost like people will filter their forgiveness levels. They, it's like, well, I'll forgive this, but not that, or I'll forgive that until this subject comes up and I'll bring it up again. And what happens is you are, you've let thoughts live inside of you because if you truly forgive someone, you have to remove the thoughts that are trying to live in you about the person. And let me just say this, I'm just going to be bold. Here's how you know you've forgiven someone. If someone brings their name up and you cringe because truthfully, forgiveness is not filtered. And let me just say this too. Forgiveness is not saying, God, I put them in your hands. Because what you're actually saying is, God, please kill them. Let's just be real. What you're actually saying is, God, deal with them. I'm not going to deal with them. I'm take, I wash my hands. Come on, pilot. Let's be real. What you're actually saying is, God, take care of it. I, I'm not going to do anything, but I hope you do. But real forgiveness is, God... Don't bring this up against them. Protect them from this. And I'm going to remove the thoughts of it. That's why financially blessing people is good when you need to forgive them. Because if you'll just forgive them, but you'll bless them, it'll remove the thought of anger toward them. It's hard to hate someone when you're blessing them. It's hard to be angry at someone when you're giving to them because giving is part of forgiving. And so when you give to someone as you're forgiving them, it, they may owe you the apology. Nine times out of 10, when we forgive people, we end up apologizing when they should be apologizing. We should be, hey, well, I'm sorry all, all that happened when it really should be them coming. But the desire is not for everything to work out between me and you. That's important. But I'm trying to get victory right here. And if I get victory right here, it doesn't matter what you think about me. Paul said, I think myself happy. You might have me beat up on the outside, but I've got you pinned right here in my mind. And no matter what you do to come at me, I'm controlling my thoughts. Mm, that's impressive. He's looking at a murdering king who comes from a heritage of murdering people. And he said, no matter what you do, I've got victory in my mind over what you try to, no matter how much you slander me, what you say to me, I've got victory over my thought life. And so... When a thought comes to us that's not of God and we don't resist it, it gains residency in us. It's released in us. And so now that thought is in our spirit. So here's, here's, the, here's the scary part. Once a thought gains access to your mind, Brother Anthony, and, and, and you let it dwell there, you can't just rebuke it and, ca and expect it to leave. You can't cast out what you flirt with. You, you can't invite the devil in and then say, I rebuke the devil, get out of this house in Jesus' name. Well, he's not going to go because you, you opened the door. So let, let's go to the word of God to find out because 
because there's some, there's a key to getting rid of the castle when it's already being built inside. The key is in Jeremiah 4, verse 14. O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? In other words, he said, some thoughts are so deep inside, you can't rebuke them. You've got to repent of them. You've got to get them washed out. Because your simple rebuking does nothing. Can I just say it like this? Rebuking works at the front door, but not in the basement of your spirit. Rebuking only works when stuff's right coming right to you. But if you want to deal shikata with the things that are deep down in your soul, you can't rebuke it. You've got to repent of it. And when you begin to repent of thoughts that have lodged in your spirit, the repentance removes the thought. Rebuking it works at the door. If you don't, it's released. But if it has been released, if there's something been living in you for 13 years or 46 years or 25 years, I've got good news for you. There is a way to get that out of your spirit. Mm. You can't rebuke it. You can't say, come on, Josh, get better, fight this. You've got to say, God, wash me. Wash these things inside of me. I repent of the deep things inside. And how do you get washed? You get washed by the word of God. That's why you can't skip your Bible reading. Because when you read, you're washing the thought life inside of you. Reading the word washikata washes you from what's been trying to get inside of you. And so that's why you read the words creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Search me, O God. Know my ways. See if there be any wicked way in me. Know my thoughts. There's something about David that said, I want God not just on the outside blessing my family, protecting my nation. I want him dwelling right here where the Real victory needs to be won. Mm. Mm. So rebuking the thought or resisting the thought works at the front gate or the front door, but repentance works in the cellar. Repentance works in the basement. Repentance works on the thing that's been there 20 years. That's the only way to remove that. And and real victory, and I I know this is going to sound crazy, but the devil fears you getting victory over the stuff in the basement that over anything else in your life. If you get victory over the deep things, the deep anger, the deep bitterness, the deep grudge, the deep hatred. If you get victory over that, you've won the battle with hell because that's where they're trying to reside in the deepest part of your spirit. Because if they can get anger, the Bible says anger resteth in the bosom of a fool, meaning that You can't tell it's there until a situation shows up, but it's just been resting, hiding out deep down and underneath all these layers of pride and 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 image and all this stuff. But anger explodes out of nowhere because it's in the basement of the spirit of the person. And so the Lord is trying to tell you tonight, I want to go basement. I want to go down in the garage. I want to go down in the attic. I want to go dig into the depths of your soul and find out what's the thing that you hate. What's the thing that bothers you? What's the addiction? What's the stronghold? Because if you'll let me into that secret place where the stronghold is, I can give you victory and peace that you've never fathomed before in your life. Now, let me just say this. When you get the victory, when you rebuke 
the thought if it comes to you and it's removed, or if you begin to resist the thought and it's removed, or maybe you have to repent of some things because they've been there for a long time, whatever the, whatever the situation is, don't just remove it because if you cast out a spirit or you get rid of something that's on the inside and you don't uh, replace it, it comes back seven times stronger, the Bible said. So, so here's the process. You rebuke it, you repent of it, and then you replace it. You have to replace it with opposite thoughts. Uh, it's like you have to replace anger with thoughts of, of forgiveness. You have to replace um, insecurity with thoughts of trust. You have to replace um Hatred with thoughts of peace. And, and let, let's read Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. In other words, this is what I want to build inside of you. And if you will remove the castle that hell's building around your spirit, those bars of unforgiveness, those bars of jealousy, those bars of lust, those bars of fear, if you'll remove that, you can replace it with things that are pure and things that are lovely and things that are good and things that are honest. Um, I hope this is helping you tonight. I, um, I want to take you deeper because here's why, um, the Lord said, if you, he said, if you rebuke it and you repent of it, you will remove it and then you can replace it. And then it will reveal my thoughts to you because Jeremiah said, in 29 verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Now, here's going to get good. Um, it's, it's, it's so powerful what he just says right here. He said, I, I, I know what I'm thinking about you. And in fact, I send my thoughts towards you. And these thoughts are they're good and they're thoughts to give you an expected end or in the Hebrew, the end that you hope for, the outcome that you hope for. And so it's kind of like Hebrews when the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, you ready for this? When you have faith for something, for the Stacey, if you have faith for God to do something in your life, you, you start believing God that you feel like this is God's will. I've got faith for this to happen. What that faith actually is, is a thought from God that's been sent toward you. It's your expected end. It's the thing that you're hoping for. And God thinks about you and says, I want to do this for Stacy. Boom. And the thought comes to you. All of a sudden you start having faith for something. I feel like God wants to do this in my life. I feel like God's going to do this in my family. I've got faith. God's going to come through. And when you start to have faith that God's going to come through, what's actually going on is a thought from God has entered into your spirit. It's replacing the castle of hell and releasing the kingdom of heaven inside of you. Mm. So that's why we walk by faith and not by sight, because if we walk by sight, we let everything in and hell's castle is built. But when we walk by faith, the fortress of heaven is built. The kingdom of God. Is, and that's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom and all its righteousness. And these things shall be added unto you. And, and when you pray, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Uh, get your kingdom in 
inside of me to replace the kingdom that hell wants to build in me. Remove the stronghold and release your spirit and see what changes in my life. So what what I want to tell you is this, it's real simple, but hell's greatest fear in your life is when you spot the castle. Hell's greatest fear is when you eyeball the thing that's deep in the basement. Hell's greatest fear in your life is not a public victory. You, you, you pulling somebody out of a wheelchair, you raising the dead, you praying someone through the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. That's not what they fear. What they fear is you going down in the basement and you saying, this thing has been in me way too long. This thing has been dwelling in my spirit way too long. And God, I repent of it and I'm going to replace it. I'm going to love the person that I want to hate. I'm going to forgive the person I want to not forgive. I'm going to strengthen the person I want to weaken. I'm going to encourage the one I want to discourage. I'm going to build up the one that I want to break down. I'm going to use words of life and not words of death because death and life are in the power of the tongue, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So whatever's being built up in me is released out of me. So if I can build up love, no matter what I think should happen or shouldn't happen, if I can build up forgiveness, if I can build up trust, I can release that ultimately into your life and you can feel the effects of what God wants you to feel, not what I want you to feel or what hell wants you to feel. It was so funny. I, I preached this in Houston the other day and um, uh, they were, it, it was very quiet and uh, it was like I was preaching to the walls. And when I got done, uh, I felt it was just terrible. And so I went to the room the office. And I said, I'll never preach that again. That was pathetic. And the pastor came to me and said, he said, you know, the couple that I brought on the platform that was leaving one level of ministry and stepping into another level of ministry. And we were thanking them for all their years of service. And we were bringing someone. And I said, yeah, he said, that couple, that wife filed for divorce two weeks ago. She won't forgive things. It's been 15 years ago. She's so angry. She won't forgive. And the whole time you were preaching right to them and they decided not to go through with it. God healed the marriage. Let me tell you, so you don't know what's going on deep in people's spirits or people's lives, but the word of God is it's sharp. It's quick. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents. It's not just the insert the third of what's inside you, but what you're intending to do. The word knows about that too. And so I just want to tell you tonight, I hope it wasn't too strong or too hard, but it's, it's, there's a victory that goes beyond an altar call. Uh, I love it when we have great altar calls, but I believe a real victory goes beyond the, the building into your house, into your conversation with your family, into your conver- into your, into your mind, into your, into your drive tomorrow. You start forgiving people or letting things go or or saying, God, I repent of that. When you start getting like that, or when I start getting like that, we're pleasing God. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the word renewing is renovation, renovation of your mind. That's what it is. And the first phase, and Stacey, you know more about this than I do, but the first phase of anything that needs to be renovated is demolition. If you have a vision of something being built in your house, you want to do your house different, you have to demolish the the walls or the strongholds that are in the way. 
That's the first phase of renovation. It's pulling down the obstacles that are in the way of the vision that you want released in your life. So Paul is saying, don't be conformed. Don't just let everything come to you and the world will just dictate everything to you and you just begin to bow and you begin to uh, almost blend in with the world with what they want you to do. But be ye transformed by the renewing or the renovation demolish some things tonight. He shut up. Bring some things down that hell wants to live in your spirit. Destroy some obstacles that hell has been building in your mind because if you can bring those things down, you can walk in the peace of God. You can walk in the favor of God and the blessing of God in your future. Amen. That's what I had to tell you guys tonight. I don't know if it made sense at all. It's probably not something I'll preach very often, but it's it's just something I feel. Dad, you can go ahead and take it, whatever you feel to do. Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And so sometimes when we're going through the toughest times, it's all in our mind. Most of it, 90% of it's in our mind. And the, the stronger the voices are, the more silent we are. Uh, when someone's in deep thought, when they're troubled, they get start getting quiet. Uh, usually, sometimes people voice it and vent it. But usually when you're really in deep, deep uh, adversity, your mind starts to get uh, hammered. And so I believe the Lord wants to strengthen you tonight to let you know that you can have victory in the deepest places where you've never had victory before. You can have victory in the secret places of your life. I can hear. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I love you guys. Hope you guys are blessed tonight. Bless you in Jesus' name.